This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is a mailbag edition of the Utopia Football Podcast. Football with a little bit of baseball and John, even a little bit of basketball sprinkled into the mailbag today as we welcome you in. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. On Sports Radio 610 in the mornings and joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer. Uh, he is our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com. He's the scourge of many a Houstonian right now because of his uh, unbridled joy that uh, Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs wound <laughs> up with Victor Wembanyama. I'm exaggerating, but he was happier he he's happier than any other Houstonian about that. I'll put it that way. Houston Rocket fan, but fan of the state of Texas. And I'll explain momentarily, John McClain. John, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm getting bombarded by friends and family members and just killing me because I tweeted that if the Rockets didn't get him, I'm glad he's going to San Antonio. I love San Antonio. I respect the Spurs and Greg Popovich. And I spent a lot of time in San Antonio in summers when the Oilers train there. It's one of my favorite cities. And if Houston couldn't be happy, I'm glad San Antonio's happy. Yeah, and John, as you alluded to, and I, I, I had at least three emails to the mailbag about this from this morning. They all came in after you appeared on Payne and Pendergast, and I uh, gave you an opportunity to clarify yourself or at least explain yourself, and you explained what you just did, which is you're, you're a Texan above all else. And if he can stay in Texas with the Spurs, you're happy about that. I'll just read the one from Gus in Spring, who said, John, you tweeted that you're happy for the Spurs after the lottery. What's up with that? So you just kind of explained yourself. But, John, you've been getting – I think what if, if I'm hearing you correctly, because we're recording this a few hours after you were on with me and Seth this morning, if I hear you correctly, it sounds like a lot of your fellow Houstonians don't share the same point of view on this as you do. No, no. I told my guys in my San Antonio – radio station, the ESPN affiliate. I'm on every Thursday, been doing it for 20 years. I said, even my own station is killing me. And I said, I'm getting emails and I'm getting text messages. And uh, I believe, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm just me. I grew up, I'm a proud Texan and I want anything that makes our state look good. And if my team like Baylor can't get great recruits, I hope they stay in Texas. My friends from Baylor, hope they leave Texas 
rather than go to Austin, College Station, Houston, one of the uh, rivals that they hate. And I'm also that way with the pros. And the truth is, I don't like the Mavericks. I wouldn't have liked that at all. And I don't like the Rangers. I don't really know why. I don't have a problem with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. I have a problem with all the Cowboy fans who are so arrogant and uh, have had no reason to be other than like 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. Some of them weren't even born the last time the, t- the Cowboys were in a championship game are arrogant. And uh, so that's what I feel. And I'm, I'm sure I'm in the minority, but that's what I believe. And if he didn't, Victor Wimbayama didn't come to Houston, I'm glad he's going to the Spurs. Okay. Well, a lot of people disagree with you on that, John, but it sounds like you're, you're, you're here for the smoke. You're, you're ready for the, the, the heat that comes with that. Along those lines, and by the way, if you want to email, uh, if you want to email us and get a, a question read on the podcast, uh, H-O-U mailbag, all one word, at gmail.com, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. We'll shift over to some football in a second, John. Um, but as long as we're talking about the Rockets and them, I'm going to say losing the lottery last night because I know that there's only one true winner of the lottery, but I think categorizing the Rockets as a loser of the lottery is appropriate because not only did they not get the number one pick, they didn't get the number two or three pick either. Um, they they wound up with the fourth pick in what a lot of people see as a three-player draft, so that's no good. Um, and so now the James Harden watch has begun – and Benny in downtown says, guys, I know you haven't talked much Rockets on the pod, but that lottery will be felt for a long time. Who has the most pressure on them now, and what does this do to Harden Watch? John, where are you on Harden Watch? Well, let me back up a second. The best player in basketball was a second-round pick, right? Uh, Nikola Jokic, the, M- the two-time MVP, was a second-round pick, yes. Second-round pick who's coming off a fantastic game. So it doesn't mean just because the – Experts say there's three players, great players, are not going to come from this draft, and uh, maybe the Rockets will get one. Instead of people worrying about who the Spurs got, they should worry about what the Rockets do. The Rockets have had seven first-round picks, I believe, in the last two drafts. Yeah, That's way too many. And if they don't have a player that they're in love with at four, they need to seriously think about trading and trying to get – of some experience on his team, somebody who can lead all these young guys, someone who can set an example, someone who works hard, someone who contributes to the culture of a new coach. Now, does James Harden do any of those? Absolutely not. He quit on the Rockets before to get out of town. And I don't care that he's bad in big games. I was listening to former NBA players and coaches killing on uh Monday and Tuesday called mm. the playoff James emerged. Well, the Rockets are a long way from the playoffs. If he wanted to come here, at, is he 34 now? And yeah. I'm not sure when he'll be 35. And they're dumb enough to give him kind of contract he wants. They deserve all the acrimony they've got. You know, the fact that he did what he did before, wanted Dwight Howard, didn't want him. Wanted Chris Paul, didn't want him. Wanted Russell Westbrook, didn't want him. I wouldn't touch James Harden when I'm trying to develop a culture with a new coach and a bunch of talented young players. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I would think Ime Adoka would be among those leading the charge to not bring Harden here. Not only because Harden doesn't really, doesn't seem to vibe with what Udoka's about. Udoka's a Popovich tree guy. Um, but Harden's a certified coach killer. You know, I think it's... <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. John, He's. I was joking today on the show before you came on. I said, James Harden's office in his house probably has Kevin McHale's head hung up on the wall like a moose head. <laughs> He's got, he's got, you know, he didn't, he didn't get Mike D'Antoni fired, but he was behind enough moves that made life miserable for Mike D'Antoni to where he may as well have fired him. He, he it took Steve, so he didn't really shoot Steven Silas and kill him. He just infected him with a virus called a young roster for three years that eventually killed poor Steven Silas. Steve Nash in, in Brooklyn, uh, Doc Rivers yesterday. Um, he is a, he is a, Certified coach killer. All those guys that I just said, I'll throw a Chris Paul in there. I played audio from that press conference after they lost to Golden State, Chris Paul's second year here, where Jonathan Fagan asked him, you know, what do you guys need to do to get over the hump against Golden State? And he gave that whole, well, I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. We just got to do it. And meaning, meaning, obviously, at this point, we know now he meant get rid of Chris Paul, which he did. So that that's my biggest thing. Like, who... Who is standing on the table for this guy? Like he's killed coaches. He's thrown teammates under the bus. No fans really seem to like him anywhere that he's been or he's gone. There are some very vocal, hardened, sycophant fans out there. And I do feel like this, I'm going to contradict myself a little, but I do feel like the most important thing in the short term here is they got to start winning some basketball games. This losing is, you know, the, the losing the, what the losing is doing to the culture might be worse than whatever infection Harden brings in for a year or two. The part I'm with you on is do not give him a four-year deal. You can't do that. If you want to bring him in because he makes it easier to win some games over the course of the next year or two, fine. I can deal with that. I can live with that. Um, but, man, if you're Ime Odoka, proceed with caution for sure. I wouldn't touch him on a one-year, two years if he paid me to come yeah. here. I wouldn't want him on that team. You want to win. A lot of that may have had to do with the coaching and Steven Silas. Maybe mm -hmm. it had to do with personnel, not bringing in the right players. But they've, they've got young players who are talented. Yeah. And I don't know what they need now to help them turn the corner. Maybe coaching is the main factor that they need. But I wouldn't want James Harden coming in here and have that rotten apple spoiling the entire barrel. Because just like in that last series, he's in Vegas. They shoot him, stick it standing outside the back of the door of a club, slapping a guy he works with. Now, that's okay. You can slap anybody you want. You can go to all the strip clubs you want. But I don't think you should be doing it during the playoffs when yeah. you're supposed to be focused on basketball. He's been doing that for so long. And Daryl Morey's got him now. At some point, you know, that, that's going to get Daryl Morey fired. Yep. They're using Doc Rivers as a scapegoat. Rivers has lost enough seventh games for it to be justified. But, man, Joel and Beeb caught the caught the hardened disease in the playoffs, and uh, I just didn't want it. Do we even know the Rockets, or if they're interested in him? In Harden? 
Yeah. 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 I think I've had it made clear to me privately that they left on good terms with Harden. I mean, people don't want to believe that because I think there's a lot of Rocket fans that rightfully felt very jilted by Harden. But my understanding is the acrimony that's very evident out outwardly on the surface out here, out on these streets that you and I are on is not nearly as reflective of what the ownership and Harden feel about each other uh, to the point where I was told when James was requesting a trade back in the day, you know, back when he was still here, when he was making the noise trying to get a trade and eventually it happened, I was told at that time that the door is still open for James to come back here someday. So I, well, I, you know, I, I was just going to say, if gentlemen for Tita doesn't mind, all the things we've just talked about, coach killer, quitter, uh, big game failure, strip club frequenter. If he doesn't mind all those things, then bring him back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's his team. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, John, as long as we're talking about uh, topics that got the audience heated with you in some way, or maybe not, this didn't get heated with you, but I think um, this was uh, certainly heat that you brought. Uh, C.J. Stroud. Charles asked this. Why wasn't C.J. Stroud available for an interview after the rookie minicamp? Do you think they're trying to protect him? John, I know you took great issue with the Texans handling of C.J. Stroud at rookie minicamp. So care to explain why did they why did they not make him available at rookie minicamp? Well, it was Nick Casario's decision and Bill O'Brien, Jack used to be Nick Casario. They all came from the Patriot way, the Patriot paranoia. And they had this thing about rookies getting too much attention and rookies need to do this, which is, which is, it's, it's ridiculous. It's preposterous. Stroud had a great interview after the, he was drafted. He and Will Anderson, they had a great interview. People were so excited. And only thing I, I and I've, I, I asked, I think I told you. Yeah. Um, Monday about, uh, or yesterday, I was only in the loop. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I was at two events uh, over the weekend, Saturday and Monday, and it was just packed with Texans fans. And most of them were guys. And I asked a hundred people, would you have been interested in knowing what CJ Stroud thought about his first rookie minicamp? And 84 said yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, because he's there's people are so fired up about him. There's nothing the Texans can do that's going to keep people from being interested and getting their hopes up. Not that they're going to playoffs, but they're going to show improvement and not stink it up like they have the last three years. And if and um, I and some are trying to blame D'Amico. It is not D'Amico. I can say unequivocally beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's Nick Casario. Now, they told us that he's going to talk during OTAs. They're only available three times during OTAs. And uh, I'm hoping he'll be available for the first one because listeners, fans, viewers, they want to know what the franchise quarterback thinks. And uh, I think it's going to be like that all season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So, um, well, yeah, eventually the season rolls around and the quarterback has to be made available, right? Like that, that's, they can't hide him during the year. 
No, he has to be made. All players have to be made available multiple times, unless by rules, you're one of two players designated for one time a week, not counting post game. Okay. Now, we've let the Texans get away with multiple guys when they had stars, when they had Watson and Watt and Clowney and, and uh, Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins. Those guys all talked once a week. And we yeah. could have, we could have called the Pro Football Writers of America who would have told the league and the league would have told them you need to start adhering to the rules, but we didn't. Mm -hmm. And so if they want to designate CJ Stroud and Will Anderson and nobody else, then everybody else has got to be available. Personally, I don't need anybody more than one time a week. Yeah. Unless there's something big happens, say uh, uh, his center, you know, Juice Scruggs got hurt and he'd already talked once. Well, he'd want to know what he thinks about his center getting hurt. So, Mm -hmm. It's it's uh I don't know why they're so paranoid because it's amazing how dynasties were won in the old days with players talking all the time, assistant coaches talking all the time. But then this paranoia took over beginning with Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick was with Parcells when Parcells wouldn't let all of a sudden after his second Super Bowl decided I'm going to be the only voice. No coaches talk. Nobody watches practice. Then the league stepped in and they, and they have rules for that and the texans adhere to the rules but uh, usually it's the minimum all right let's keep it moving uh some more texans questions derwin and cypress asked stock up or stock down on special teams as it relates to the new roster john well the problem it's hard to be stock up on them when they were best in the nfl last year mm-hmm. and so really they could stay there or they could drop back since frank ross got there he's done a tremendous job and it's not just the kicking game. You know, John Weeks is a great snapper. Fairbairn's been a really good kicker. Cam Johnston, the only free agent who's gotten a three-year contract out of Nick Casario. He's done really well. And the, the guys who cover come and go, and uh, they don't have a great return game, but it's good enough. So I'm going to say it's, it's – it's, I'm not going to say stock up. I'll say this. It's going to be stocks the same because they were the best in the league. It's a hold. If it's buy, sell, or hold, it's a hold right now, huh? I'm going with stock held. Yep, yep. Uh, and Tank Dell might help that return game. You know, that's boy. Wouldn't that be great? It would be awesome. Yeah, I know. We're just talking about potential. Um, Derwin also asks: Has there ever been a defensive and offensive rookie of the year on the same team in the same year. Yeah. This past yeah. year, <laughs> Derwin, I, you're a smart fan, Derwin. I almost feel like you're doing this to test me and John. Yeah. Uh, Sauce Gardner, defensive rookie of the year and Garrett Wilson, offensive rookie of the year just happened a few months ago. So yeah. Uh, it's ha- I can't think off the top of my head of when it's happened before. That was a hell of a draft class by uh, Joe Douglas. Big reason why Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to the jets, right? Yeah, and I didn't vote for either one of those guys. I voted for uh, uh, Hutchinson. Hutchinson because he had more interceptions than Sauce Gardner, and my offensive rookie was uh, uh, Kenneth Walker the third. Walker. Okay, there and, you go. Uh, because he did a great job for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks had several guys that were in contention. Yeah. Uh, everything I've been reading on the internet with people I respect, former players and longtime evaluators, Mm-hmm. They have Will Anderson as the heavy favorite to be voted defensive rookie of the year and B. John Robinson to be voted offensive rookie of the year. It's hard for a quarterback. Some yeah. people put Bryce Young out there. The odds are against a quarterback. And I think B. John Robinson is going to be great. I think he's going to have a great year. And as long as he stays healthy, 
you know, that award seems to be his. And I think, you know, it, it seems to be Will Anderson Jr.'s as well. We'll see. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Joe Q has a couple of questions here from the mailbag. Again, mailbag at gmail.com if you want to send a question. If you just anything popped into your head in the last few minutes you want to ask us about, that's how you do it. Um, he's asking your opinion on this, John. Was Kareem Jackson the most heavily criticized rookie in Texans history? Uh, he was criticized, but not as much as like Travis Johnson, mm-hmm. first overall pick in 05. Uh, uh, well, the 15, he was like the 16th overall pick, but the Texans yeah. first round pick. Who, yeah. who, who was the uh, corner that was hurt all the time? They got cut. He was the first first round pick. Uh, and it, some oh, Kevin Johnson. Like, Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson. Yeah. Yep. And some people, you know, Jason Babin. A second first round pick. He mm-hmm. never lived up to it. He was criticized a lot because he's supposed to have been a good pass rusher. And I'm not really sure. I can't remember. Uh, Kareem was immature, and Nick Saban had said he should have stayed at Alabama another season. But now I think he's going into his 13th season. He is. And, and that turned out to be a really bad move. He was very bitter. Because they, Bill O'Brien, did not make him an offer to keep him, yeah. and that motivated him to have that great game here, <laughs> in which the Broncos upset the Texans. And so, what a great career Kareem Jackson has had! Yeah, drafted in 2010, so he's going into his 14th year now. 14 years, 14 years, believable, Kareem Jackson. And I can't ever remember him. I, you know, I haven't followed him as close the last few years since he's been in Denver. But every time the Texans play the Broncos, he's out there, as you pointed out, John. I, you know, Kareem Jackson, I have to go look at his game logs. I can't ever remember him having an injury. You know, like that's the biggest thing. Like it's that is a great point. He stuck around for 14 years, and I can't remember him having a season ending injury or even a soft tissue injury when he was a Texan. Like you, you could count on number 25 being there every game at corner and then later on at safety. Same as Jonathan Joseph. Those yep. two guys were durable and they were the best corner package they've ever had. And Joseph was great for Kareem. I mean, that was. A big reason why he was able to recover from that horrible rookie year in 2010 was the signing. They when they signed Jonathan Joseph in 2011, it's almost like they signed Jonathan Joseph and the Kareem Jackson that they had drafted from Alabama. You know what I mean? Some people, you know, a guy that got a lot of criticism, he didn't deserve it. Was a Moye, a Moy, uh, Moby Koye, a Moby Koye, who was Rick Smith's first number one, and he was so young when he was drafted, but he started until Wade Phillips came in. And didn't think he fit a 3-4, so mm. that's why they, I guess they traded him. I can't remember. But uh, the it was, I don't know, I can't remember why we were so down on Kareem his rookie year. But well, he, he grew was, up fast. That was a great point he about was, J. Joe being such a great influence on him. Yeah, thank you. He, uh, If I remember, John, he was giving up. I mean, that was that year where the Texans defensively were just, they were a bad football team. They lost D'Amico six games in with the Achilles injury. Uh, Cushing was gone the first four games because of his first PED suspension. And their secondary was super young. Like Glover Quinn was still playing corner at that time. Their corners were Glover 
and Kareem, who, you know, Glover was in his second year and Kareem was a rookie. I just remember them giving up all kinds of yards to like second and third wide receivers. I remember a Charger game where Shahi Ajira Tutu came in and looked like the second coming of Jerry Rice. And, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I have to go back and look at the box scores from that 2010 season. But it's amazing how so many pieces that were on that defense in 2010 were also on the same defense in 2011 that became a top five defense. Obviously, they made some additions with with J. Joe and with Daniel Manning, and they drafted J.J. Watt and so forth. Brooks but Reed. Brooks Reed, yep. Connor Barwin came back. You know, Connor, that was a year, yeah. 2010, Connor Barwin had his foot turned around backwards in the opener against the Colts. <clears throat> Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nasty. Nasty. All right, a couple more here, John. James, who listens to us over in Spain, says um, – what do you guys think Lamar Jackson's opening day stats are going to look like against the Texans? I have a feeling this won't be good news. What do you think about early in the season, John D'Amico? What what can D'Amico do to try to, as best he can, get this run defense ready for what is you know probably its biggest challenge? The run defense itself, maybe its biggest challenge on the schedule. Run, run, runs more control the ball with Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary and keep Lamar Jackson on the bench. I expect Jackson, the last time he played the Texans up there, four touchdown passes, no interceptions, a rating of like 138, and he ran for like 70-something yards. Now he's going to be healthy. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have a lot to prove that he's worth the money and and he's, you're just going to get his best. What they got to hope is he's rusty. Mm -hmm. And starting with him, they couldn't – I don't – maybe the Jets would be worse. No, the Bengals would have been the worst because Joe Burrow's established with his team and no, hadn't been out or anything. But I think they're going to go up there and they're going to get killed and then they're going to come back and beat the Colts. So you, what's your early prediction, John? If, it were, if this were the – Last Utopia episode before the week one game against the Ravens. What, what's your predicted score right now? Oh, I, they've been killed the last two times they played them. So I would say, and I, I say this very conservatively, that they, I'd pick maybe 30 to 16. Okay. So you got you got the Ravens covering that nine-point number. Yes. Huh? Okay. Well, there you go. Um, so, John, are you ready for uh, – are you going to jump back on Twitter today to see if people are still reacting to you being such a big Spurs fan? Do you look at your replies on Twitter, John? No, never. Okay. Never. Yeah, that's such a healthy way to go through life. I'm jealous of you. I've done it since the first time I went on Twitter. I was at the Combine. I can't, no, I can't remember where I was. Jordan Godwin, who uh, was interning for us, he helped set me up, and he's looking at it. And I said – he's going, ooh. Um, I said, what's the matter? He said, uh, nothing. I said, no, what's the matter? He said, well, I'm, I'm reading what people are saying about you. And I said, well, what are they saying? He goes, uh, oh, nothing, nothing. I said, what are they saying? He, he said, you want the truth? I said, yeah. He said, well, let's see here. First one that I was old and fat and uh, should retire. Another one, I was fat, bald and should retire. Another one, let's see, it was it was old, fat, bald, and a liar. And I said, well, you got three out of four right. <laughs> and uh, so that point on, I said, Jordan, what do I got to do to not look at all that crap? He told me, and I've never looked. That's awesome. Sometimes yeah. Carol come over and say, well, 
What are people saying? I said, you're going to have to get on Twitter to find out. And check out. Just, looking. That's right. It's Search made my, my life so much easier. I, it's beyond me of why athletes or musicians will go on Twitter and read what people are saying about them because people can add me on Twitter, of course, and do anything they want, just like anything else. But so many of them just get just go ballistic. And I'm thinking it's just so easy not to pay attention. Now, you do reply sometimes, but best I can tell, it's to people who you also follow. So you see their tweets. Like, for example, yeah. you re you replied to one of my tweets earlier right. this week about Jose Abreu telling me how negative I was. Right. That was so negative with all these exclamation points. It hurt my feelings, John. Yeah, you're way too negative on poor old Abreu. No, I retweet people like crazy. People tell me I should quit retweeting so much and tweet more. And then when I'll see something, then I'll hit where I can add a comment like I do blasting you for showing your media wall, which you haven't done in a while. No, I haven't. Things like, things like that. Right, right. The important stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? I'm writing a column today for Gallery Sports on what can be realistic expectations for the Texans rookies. And I have one on on uh, SportsRadio610.com on uh, looking back at the mini camp and what they learned. And then I have one on Will Anderson. The one on 610 is about the relationship between Juice Scruggs and C.J. Stroud. They've already mm -hmm. started growing the center quarterback relationship. Then I have one with Will Anderson on uh, GallerySports.com. And I, I think next, and I'm not sure when I'm going to do this, next week or maybe Friday, I'm going to do one. What are the Texans? What has to happen for the Texans to get a higher first round pick than people are expecting them to get next season? Because mm. that one belongs to the Browns. Yeah. Who do the Browns play? Okay. What time of year? Is it outdoors? What's the weather in that month in that city? Because Watson, I don't think, is all of a sudden going to turn about and be a great cold weather quarterback because he never had to do it. Oh, that's a good one, John. So basically a Cleveland Browns preview through the prism of a Texan fan. Yeah, my good buddy, Tony Grossi, who works for the Land on Demand, which has a paywall, mm -hmm. which uh, ours don't. They're both free, free, free. Mm -hmm. And I, he did put one going over their schedule, analyzing it, and I asked him to send it to me so I can look and see what he says before I put my own opinion in there. But every week, you know, people are going to be looking at the Browns and I'm I'm going to recommend that we make sure on 610 and on Gallery Sports to make sure fans know exactly what's going on with the Browns. It's important, you know, especially with just that one first-round pick. They don't have their own first-round pick anymore. Browns' number is nine and a half right now for wins on the season. Ooh, they're putting a lot on Deshaun Watson. They sure are. That's the same number as the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. They're both nine and a half. I saw a great stat last night. It's going to be in this column. Uh, Doug Farrar, who works for Touchdown Wire, he's a really knowledgeable NFL guy. He and Greg Cosell, who I think is the best. They had a thing about C.J. Stroud, and Bobby Sloak will use motion like Kyle Shanahan did. And the great stats that C.J. Stroud had when they used motion at Ohio State. Mm. And they ran they ran some hot some tape of him making great plays. And uh, I think that's going to be my lead because you see those stats – Air yards, completion percentage, NFL rating. It was unbelievable how good he was in that type of system.
Mm, should be fun. All right. Sounds like good stuff, John. Always appreciate the time. I enjoyed doing the mailbag with you again. Thank you very much. I appreciate it very much, Sean. And uh, boy, I expect to get. I expect Popovich to send me a nice <laughs> something, text. a fruit basket all or something. The, yeah, something. All the grief I'm taking in my hometown. <laughs> all that smoke. All right, John. Good luck dealing with that. We'll pray for you for sure. Our prayers for Victor didn't work out, but let's no, turn didn't that work to out at all. pray for McLean. Pray, hashtag pray for McLean. <laughs> There it is. All right. We are done. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. If you didn't hear your question read this time around because you didn't send one, you nut, uh, go ahead and send one. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. We'll keep it moving. Two more episodes next week, and we're going to keep it rolling into the uh, end of the summer months. Training camp will be here before we know it. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to you guys. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get the podcast sent right to your device where you normally listen to your podcast automatically. You don't need to do anything. Hit that subscribe button. We always appreciate that. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you next week for more Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.